Isn't it fun? It just means we're going to have a good service. <laughs> to take the time in these few moments of prayer to align ourselves with God, with his will, what he has for us this morning, what he has for us here, what he has for us next, and whatever that may look like. The altars are always open, but especially now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the very breath that I draw this morning because it comes from you. Lord, I pray. I pray for those hurting this morning. I pray for those waiting for medical procedures or information or whatever it may be. I pray that your hand would be on those situations that we would seek you regardless of the pain regardless of the frustration, regardless of the hurt. Lord, you are the great physician. And whether healing comes through a doctor or through the miracle of your word, Or it comes through a renewed body. We thank you. I pray this morning that we would hear your words, that we would know who you call us to be, regardless of what's going on around us, that we would follow you that we would hear your word, know your heart, and align with it. And I pray for those who couldn't make it this morning, for whatever reason, whether it be vacation trips or health or it being a gloomy Sunday morning with a time change. I pray, I pray for this fellowship, for this community. and who you've called us to be within it. 
and I pray that your spirit would be on us as we continue into worshiping you through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, worship team, as always. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? So the uh, Halloween season is behind us. We're still uh, orange and brown, though, right? Better than uh, white and white and snow. <laughs> but uh, it just makes me think is, you know, November is always that Thanksgiving season, right? Where you're, you remember what you're thankful for. So I see a lot of faces out here, and I, I can think as I look at each and every one something that I'm thankful for for you uh, other than being here today but it's um, you know coming in and holding a little child who loves to sing worship songs right Olivia it's like she is not afraid to let her voice be heard especially during music so uh, um, but what a beautiful sound that is to the Lord so you know I, I'm thankful that her parents bring her and I'm thankful that there are plenty of people to love on the little kids uh, especially when, you know, you see them and they call your name really loud, right? <laughs> um, so th those are some of the things I'm thankful for. Each and every one of you, I, you know, as I look around, I can think of something in particular that I'm thankful for for you. So I'm just glad that you're here today. Um, so we do, we do as, we, as we go into November, we have more and more things that come up on announcements as we, we go into the Thanksgiving and Christmas season. Um, Operation Christmas Child is probably one of the, the first next things coming up. We've got um, six boxes up here. We also have a, a table full of new empty boxes out there. So I'm going to be uh, seeing who, who might be able to take a few of those. And if you've already done that, thank you. If you'd like to take another one, thank you. Um, but we just know that this is going to go out and bless somebody who would have a lot less Christmas and uh you know, usually in somewhere overseas and, and in remote places. So just uh, just consider that. So we start collecting the boxes now, but the really the end is the next couple of Saturday or Sundays. Um, we can actually start dropping them off at the collection site in Plattsburgh. So the 19th would be really the last day, very last day to bring them in because I think that same day we have to kind of truck them down there. So. We want to get those back next Sunday if possible, and maybe the, the Sunday after that would be kind of like like right at the end. So thank you for that. And then after that, um, once, once we have the tree up, then we start collecting um, unwrapped new um, toys for local kids as part of the, the County Christmas Bureau. And they help a tremendous amount of people. Um, 
I know the, the director of that organization, and it's just phenomenal the work that they do in, in a short period of time. Uh, so the next thing coming up on the 9th, well, actually on the 18th uh, would be the third Saturday of the month is the ladies' breakfast um, here at the church. I think we've got, yep. So that's at 10 a.m. on a Saturday. Bring food or, or leave hungry if you didn't uh, have breakfast already. So the ladies uh, have everybody bring food. That's on the 18th, the third Saturday. And then on the 19th, that next day, is our Thanksgiving potluck. It's always the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And um, our program locked up. Our technology is working wonders today. There we go. So we'll do, a, we'll do a potluck the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Obviously a potluck, so bring food. Um, and we'll have, a, we'll have a nice lunch that day. And let's see. And then Thanksgiving is somewhere in between there. But we're going to decorate the church for Christmas, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Uh, so we'll maybe like a 9 or 10 o'clock come by and uh, we'll change up for the seasons. And everybody helping do that is, is very helpful. I think that will actually be the 25th. Um, and then we're still working out some of the details for the, the holiday schedule and, and services and things like that. But we'll have that out before too long. Um, and let's see, did I hit everything? I think I did, right? Um, tithes and offerings, as always, we thank you for your faithful giving. Um, we have the boxes at the back of, by the doors. We even have a drop box outside, or you can do it online. So thank you for your faithful giving. Uh, we certainly appreciate that. And Warren is bringing the scripture to us. Warren, I'm thankful for you as well for uh, serving in many, many ways. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, I'm thankful that I live where I do, where I can vote for who I want Tuesday. I can pray whenever, wherever I want, and um, in fellowship with, with all of you. And mostly I'm thankful for my family because I don't know where I'd be today if I didn't have the wife that I have, the girls that I have. Um, I've told her on many occasions that um, she has saved me because of where I was at the time we had met. I wasn't in a good place. And in fact, she's the one that actually got me to go back to church. That's when we started going to East Street. And um, so I wouldn't be here today if it wouldn't, wasn't for her and for well, more for God giving her to me. So that's what I'm thankful for. So today we're going to read, uh, we're going to dive into Matthew a little bit. Short one, Matthew 4, uh, 18 and 19. Uh, 18, 19, and 20. So as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him.
keep that close just in case. <laughs> Can we go back to that last verse? At once they left their nets and followed him. At once they left their nets and followed him. You can go back to the title slide. So will I. This is the first in a sermon series. We haven't had one of those in a while. Um, So for the next month, this will be our title, So Will I. So will I. When God asks you to do something, so will I. Following Christ's example. How many think you would have been able to do what the disciples did in that moment? Just get up and left. Imagine some random guy, you, maybe you've heard about him, comes to your place of business and is like, Jay, leave your kids in this school and come follow me. And you just did. How crazy would that be? It'd be pretty crazy. I mean, it, I can't fathom it. To stand up and walk away from everything, to step out into the unknown, following an unknown and controversial rabbi at the time. Just imagine if I walked up to you again in your workplace and was like, hey, you're going to need to quit your job and stay here at the church all the time. Um, and take care of the building, but also the people in the community. Um, Also, by the way, you're not getting paid. You probably would laugh at me and tell me to leave your wherever you're at, your place of business, and think I was joking if you were at least a little uh, charitable. But that isn't what the disciples did. They didn't laugh it off. They didn't second guess it. They just stood up, dropped their nets, and left. They were all called, if you, if you think about the 12 disciples, every single one of them was called in moments like here, where they were doing something one moment, and then the next, they were following Christ. There was no hesitation, no questioning. It doesn't even seem like there was a second thought. It seems so foreign to us, in all honesty, it was probably foreign to them. While rabbis did pick their disciples, fairly often they were the most elite members of the society or at least the most educated members. The smartest, the brightest, the most dedicated to the word of God. The men that Jesus called were called out of that process very early on in their lives. Most of their education and and religious education stopped when they turned 13. The ones who were chosen for disciples as rabbis continued after that time. They continued, and, and these men 
adults in, in, their, in their positions for God knows how long hadn't been given that opportunity. They were rejected, and many of them were at the very bottom of their society. Turns out, fishermen isn't a great career path for those looking to get into leadership of the Jewish people, normally. The only one who may have had a little bit of a chance, if we look at them from a historical standpoint, is Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. And he clearly didn't live up to the normal profile disciple, but it seems like that he may have had more of that education. He would have gotten past that first level of education. We don't know that for sure, but, but, but it's, it's... And even he didn't live up to it. And then he went on to take one of the most reviled careers you could have in the Jewish eyes, a Roman tax collector. But regardless of all that, when the disciples were called, they went. No questions asked. Just come follow me. Then they got up and went with Jesus. This is the first thing that Jesus asked the disciples to do. Just follow. I'm going here. All you have to say is, so will I. This is the first moments meeting them. And again, they just got up and left. And this isn't the only time the disciples did the same as Jesus. We know that, for example, they praised like Jesus when they asked him how to pray he gave them the Lord's Prayer. And on top of living like Jesus, I mean, they wandered around Jerusalem and Judea and Israel for three years, living, breathing, eating all the same things as Jesus. And we know this extended past the life of Jesus because many of the disciples, they even died like Jesus. Many crucified. Some asked to be crucified in a different way, specifically so it wasn't exactly like Jesus. So let's go back to those three small words. So will I. Following Christ's example. We see the disciples make this sudden change and it seems like such an easy decision in hindsight. We look at the story of the Gospels in their totality and we see, ah, yes, it was such an easy thing. They knew. They knew he was the Son of God. They knew. No, they didn't. They didn't know. <laughs> in that moment, when Jesus calls Peter... And his brother, they didn't know. It was just some guy. Maybe they knew he performed miracles. Maybe they knew he was a, a special rabbi. They didn't know he was the son of God. 
then also, it seems like once they got up and went, everything was good at that point. At least if you stick to the first half of the Gospels and the first half of Acts. But if you read the second half, it wasn't. And it isn't easy for us either, is it? We see the disciples be persecuted. We see strife within the church and even the massacring of Christians over their history. And we see the issues that we have as Christians. The roadblocks. The just life that gets in the way. The pain, the suffering. It's not easy. And yet, even with all the same or similar issues, the disciples stood up and went with Christ. They said, so will I. So often, we don't. For whatever reason. I think of the rich young ruler who had the opportunity to say, so will I. And he didn't. So, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your mother and father. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. If we sit and count the cost of doing what God is calling us to do, just like the rich young ruler did, we'll find it's not beneficial. If we look at what God has called us to, it won't make sense. The rich young ruler came to Jesus looking for 
validation. I've done these things. I've held these laws and these commandments. See, even since I was young. But he still wasn't willing to give up at all for Christ. And we rationalize some of it, too. We think, oh, maybe, maybe the, the talents I have, I can just give the talents that I have. Or maybe I can give some of the things that I have. Oh, or maybe I can put a little bit of time into this and still be saved. The problem is the calculation that we're doing. Well, maybe we can, we can deposit this over time Maybe we can, we can do this over time. Maybe, maybe if I just do some now, then I can do more later. It's not the same math that God uses. The math that God uses adds up to give it all. In the next two verses, the disciples are astonished at what they saw because they themselves were doing the math too. And by every measure and mark, the world had given everything to the rich young ruler. Everything that he needed to be a great person in the kingdom of God. So they asked this of Jesus. The disciples were astounded. Then, who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Jesus is saying it's impossible without him, without God, without following God, without standing up and saying, so will I, and fully surrendering ourselves to his will. It's not easy, and you'll probably have to give up everything to do it. How do I know? Well, (laughs) let's continue reading. Then Peter began to speak up, We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, mothers, sisters, (laughs) children, and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. 
but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Let's sit for that with that just for a minute. Jesus is making here a promise. And I think we overlook it because of the fear that we suddenly have or the rationalization that we do from the verses beforehand. We don't actually have to give up everything, right? Only a cruel God would ask for everything. I mean, I need a little bit to live. I need a little, little bit to do the things that I need to do. Really? God wouldn't ask you to give up everything in order to gain everything? The promise here is the same we know that we are putting off the pleasures, the false hope of this life and the world for the new hope and the promise of the next. It's a promise that there will be suffering and hardship now, but there will also be good things. Whether they manifest here on this earth or when we get to heaven. But if we fix and focus our eyes on Christ, then maybe it won't be so hard to look towards the future, to look past all the pain and the hurt, to look past all the things that we have to give, and to look forward to the eternal happiness and bliss that is living in the presence of God. Something so good, so amazing, we can't even imagine it. Once in a while, I get a little nostalgic. And I think about the times where my life was easier, where I didn't have the troubles that I have now, where I had more, maybe more connections or freedom or whatever. I can rationalize or come up with in that moment. I long for the old times when everything was easier. But it wasn't really easier, was it? I know, and I'm sure if you go through the same exercise, you know, too, that it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows if we actually sit for a moment and think about those times. And besides, if I went back there, where would the people and the support and the things that I have now be? Would I have my daughter, my wife, my church family here? Many friends that I've made since those moments long ago? And what about all the joy, the good things that have happened since then? No. I may have had 
less responsibility and more free time. And in all honesty, if I look at it critically, it's not inherently better. And in many ways, it's worse. There's no way that whatever I'm holding on to now, like the rich young ruler, is even close to, or close to being better than what God is calling for me in my life. If I just say, so will I. Jesus healed the sick. So will I. Jesus and his disciples led and transformed the church and began it. So will I. The Lord prayed. Jesus prayed for change. He prayed for his enemies. So why? So how do we do this? Well, it starts. starts by following in Jesus' footsteps, not only for salvation's sake, but fully surrendering everything. Jesus gave clear instructions to the rich young ruler. Go and sell everything. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you to go and sell everything. What I'm telling you to is go and be willing to give up everything for Christ in a moment. If someone asks for your cloak, Give him your shirt too. To start living in a way where nothing is yours. Not even your breath. So will I. Like Jesus He gave everything. So will I. And you know what? If there are people that are causing are taking everything, I'll love and forgive them. Or at least I'll try to love and forgive them just like Jesus. I'm not asking for perfection. I'm asking for the willingness to say, so will I. It means going through the hard things that Jesus went through, but it also means stepping into what God has for you, which is a greater plan than any of us could have, could have for ourselves and those around us.
I came across in the, um, in the morning liturgies that Jim and I do um, this uh, quote from Ignatius of Antioch um, and just a little background. He was one of the first leaders of the church and after his death, after the death of the disciples and was killed by Emperor Trajan and he wrote this. The delights of this world and all its kingdoms will not profit me. I would prefer to die in Jesus Christ than to rule over all the earth. I seek him who died for us. I desire him who rose for us. I am in the throes of being born again. Bear with me, my brothers and sisters. Let me see the pure light when I am there. I shall be truly a human being at last. Let me imitate the sufferings of my God. It's not going to be easy, and it's going to require doing many of the things that we preach every week. For the next three weeks, you're going to hear more on this topic and how specifically we can walk in the footsteps of Jesus and his disciples, or how specifically you can be called by God and say, so will I. how we can be followers of Christ and not just fans of his work. We're not meant to just cheer for the cause of Christ, but to be active participants in the building of his kingdom. To do the work of Christ as servants to Christ, but also as sons and daughters of God, chosen to take part, called for a specific role, and all you have to do is reach out and truly dedicate your life to Christ and walking the path that he did. I don't know what that means for you, what that looks like specifically for you. I know in part for me what it has looked like because I have had these so will I moments. It's the entire reason I'm here. Many of you know my story. Many of you know that this was not my plan. That I left my job when Christ called and followed what he had for me. I'll call the worship team up. Early Christians were called people of the way, a way that everyone had an opportunity to walk for salvation. If you haven't started your walk with Jesus, if you haven't said, so will I, for the first time, Pastor Judy or I or any of our leaders would love to have that conversation with you and guide you onto that way. For the rest of us, the way of living not just for yourself, but for the grand purpose of salvation through Christ. And for the many of us that have already begun our journey, are you willing to say, so will I? 
Are you willing to face the adversity that may carry with you in the hope of the benefit that you may never see in this lifetime? There's an old Greek proverb. A wise man plants trees for which he will never, he, he will never see the shade. Jesus while he saw in his time here on earth. He did many miracles and saw huge crowds. He only sparked the beginning of what we now call the church. But when he returns, Jesus will be returning to finish that work, to put the capstone on the kingdom that we that you have hopefully had a part in building. That God has called you to build. That God has called you to give up everything to build. And in order to do that, all we have to do when we see the example of Christ being lived out is to say and truly mean, so will I.
the disciples when they were called in that moment stepped out. It didn't matter where they were, what they were doing. They took that first step and it completely changed their lives. So this morning, as we go, take that first step in saying, so will I. In living a life that says, so will I. Heavenly Father, thank you for your promises. That no matter how hard the world beats on us, no matter how hard things get, that you promise never to leave us, even in death. That your promise is even greater than that we will live eternally with you. In your radiating presence that wipes away all tears, all fear, just leaves you. So I pray as we go this morning that we would be willing to both accept that burden and that blessing. And seek you. Seek your will for us. say, so will I. So as we go again, may we hear your voice and understand what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.